we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Give you a heart transplant. Give you a new way, a new life. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I'm thankful for some of the victories that I'm seeing. Amen. Are you seeing some victories lately? Have you been praying over some things and you're seeing God do some things? If you have, uh, one more time, just give him the praise this morning. You're seeing God do some things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may have noticed uh, my daughter was playing today. Tina's not with us. She uh, had a procedure done and she's home recovering. So just keep her in your prayer. She's doing good. Uh, but just be praying for her if you don't mind. Uh, it just feels kind of funny for me. I'm used to her, having her by my side. Uh, we've been doing this a long time together, and uh, I thank God uh, for her help in ministry. She, I wouldn't want to do this without her. I'll just, I'll just tell you, I've said many times I wouldn't do it without her. Um, she's such a help to me, but I'm thankful uh, for, for uh, your prayers for her this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Last week, we began our journey through the book of Acts, and we started with Acts chapter 1. And uh, I, I told somebody, uh, chapter one of Acts is a tough chapter to build a sermon out of, at least it is for me. Um, but it is necessary to lay the groundwork to carry us through this journey uh, through the book of Acts. And you say, why go through the book of Acts? There's a reason you want to go through the book of Acts, because this really a better name, you know, it's debated because the book is actually called the Acts of the Apostles, but most theologians say it should be called the Acts of the Church in general, because these, it wasn't just the apostles that was accomplishing these things, this was everyday people in everyday places that had been transformed by the power of Jesus, by the power of the gospel, that was not afraid to live Jesus out loud, um, and again, I, I want to see God birth in us a, a boldness to share his word, love and his word uh, that we've never had before. So this uh, second chapter of Acts, uh, we're going to talk about the mission of the church today. The mission, why, why we were saved, why Jesus saved us in the first place. If you have been saved by the power of the Lord, there was a reason he saved you. You weren't, you weren't just getting fire insurance. And, I, and, and it's so sad, I meet a lot of people that that's all they, they, they believe that, that Jesus came to do is to keep them from hell. And I'm thankful that the result of my salvation is I don't have to go to hell. But, oh, my goodness, living for Jesus is much more than just being saying, I'm not going to hell. Um, and, and that may be the initial reason some of us came to Christ. You know, um, anybody, anybody ever you know, get scared uh, when, when preachers preaching about heaven and hell? I, I, I remember uh, many times I got scared when they would do that. And uh, I know I've preached on a series on, on hell one time, and somebody said, you're trying to scare people into getting saved. That really didn't make sense to me. If it works, it works. But the, the, the truth is, hell's a real place. Heaven's a real place, and we don't want to go there. But there's so much, uh, go to hell. But there's so much more than just escaping hell to this walk with Christ. And I want us to understand that it is about relationship and not religion. There are so many people trapped in religion today, and it's, it's, it is destroying them. And, and, and so this morning, what we're exploring through Acts chapter 2, and it's easy for most of us, because um, growing up in a Pentecostal uh, background, uh, we like to focus on part of Acts chapter 2, but not all of Acts chapter 2. And so today, I'm going to be talking about the mission of the church, which, which the Holy Spirit being given to the church 
was the empowerment to fulfill that mission, and we're going to get into that in just a second, but there's so much more to the experience of walking with Christ than, than, than what we have kind of summed it up to be in modern Christianity. So we're going to talk about that. Now, the Bible is clear concerning the mission of the church. It is not complex. It is actually quite simple. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Um, now, what was he saying here? He's laying out very simple simplistically the mission even though I, 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 he didn't say it would be easy but it's a simple mission there's a lot of people that have confused the mission of the modern church because we have uh, commercialized church in such a way throughout especially western culture we have made church a business more than what it was meant to be and it is a community it is supposed to be countercultural. in other words it is supposed to offer something that is different from the culture around us it's supposed to be a place where uh, where love abounds and purpose abounds. And, and so many times it has become something opposite of that. So Jesus lays out uh, to his disciples, he says, your mission, your purpose is to go and make disciples. Look at somebody say, make disciples. Really simple. Make disciples. Now Jesus added another dimension to serving God in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, when he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment and the great commission uh, need to be the message of the church today. There is no greater message. As a matter of fact, we need to understand declaring the mission and the message of the church uh, is, a, is to be simple. However, it was not meant to be easy. It's not an easy task. I shared with you last week, he called together these 11 because Judas had betrayed him. He called together the 11 remaining disciples along with approximately 120 other believers we're following them at that time. And, and he told them, "What well, I'm going away, but here is your mission. Your mission is to reach the world with the good news and to baptize them, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you had been there and I had been there, we probably would have been overwhelmed and should be overwhelmed with that mission and that task because there was not airplanes to travel to the uttermost parts of the earth at that time. There was not... Uh, cell phones and internet and television. This was a very, in, 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 in essence, a very primitive way of getting communication. In other words, it, you either had to write a letter or you had to go see somebody, but th they had a mission ahead of them. In other words, this task was enormous, and he's saying, now, before you get overwhelmed, go tarry in Jerusalem because I'm going to empower you. That brings us to Acts chapter 2 to, to carry out the mission. In other words, I know this mission is simple, but it's not easy. All right? It's simple, but it's not easy. There is a difference between simple and easy. Simple is basic, uncomplicated, and fundamental. Easy is effortless. In other words, uh, Throm Rainer, who wrote a book called Simple Church, says it this way, ministry will never be easy. It is messy and, dif and difficult because people are messy and difficult. Now, this is the fun part of preaching. Look at somebody beside you and say, you're messy and you're difficult. Ha, 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 ha. 
That's all right, because I'm messy and I'm difficult. People are messy and people are difficult and people have quirks and people have problems. And, and, and if you're dealing with people, you're going to find yourself that, that it's a messy work. In other words, that's why it is compared to planting seed in a field and farming. Have you ever been on a farm that smelled good? Have you ever walked through a field uh, in a functioning farm and took a deep breath and said, wow, that smells wonderful? No, there, there's animals there and there's things going on there to make and produce crops. I want you to understand, we're going to have to, if we're going to do the work of the ministry, we're going to get messy sometimes. You're going to get in the middle of the fields and you're going to get a little mud on you from time to time. But aren't you thankful that Jesus waded into the mess of your life and into the mud of your world and he says, I'm going to go right into the middle of it and I'm going to pull you out of it so that I can clean your heart and then I'm going to send you right back in it to pull somebody else out. That is the mission and the purpose of the church. If you really want to boil it down, let's get down to it. In other words, the religious leaders, uh, leaders of Jesus' day had made religious service complicated. In other words, religion in Jesus' day had become something very difficult. And Jesus simplified the church. You know, that's why it drove the, the religious people crazy to the point that they, they, they turned him over to the Romans. They wanted to kill him because he took 613 commandments of the law and reduced them to two commandments 613 down to two and you know what that is to love God and to love people I want you to understand our mission is a very simple mission it's not an easy mission but it's a very simple mission to love God and love people and let's just face it folks sometimes we have to love God in order to love people because some people are hard to love I got a few amens I go through Thanksgiving and Christmas just like you. <laughs> how many people, how many of you have had, you got people, it's hard to love them. I want you to know in, in some situations, it's impossible to love people unless you first love God. So Jesus boils it down to our mission can be accomplished in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39 by saying, love God with all that you are, with everything that's in your mind, everything that's in your soul, everything that's in you. Love God and love people. And I'm here to tell you, if we really love God the way we ought to, we'll start loving people the way we should. God will help us when we get those two right. Matter of fact, Jesus goes on and says every commandment hangs, all 613 commandments, all the prophets that they taught you and said, all of it hangs on these two things, that you love God and you love people. That you love God and you present that same love to people. He said that's what it all boils down to. In other words, what is the function of the body of Christ or the, or, or the people of God? Pursuing a simple process of church life is not an indication that the divine power is unnecessary. The, the poet T.S. Eliot wrote about the church and challenged it in, a, in his poem called The Rock. I want you to hear this. This is just part of it. He says, and the church must be forever building and always de decaying and always being restored. When asked to explain this, he said, always, decay, or always decaying indicates that every physical entity diminishes and decays. 
Every building or forever building depicts the pattern of creative effort that promotes a life of vitality. In other words, the church must be a place of creativity. It must be a place where we are creative. And then the third thing he said, always being restored, T.S. Eliot described it this way, uh, describes a spiritual and supernatural act of God. Restoration takes place when God acts through the power of the gospel and movement of the Holy Spirit in his church. He breathes fresh air and fresh life into the body of Christ when the Word and the Spirit are present. I want the Word and the Spirit present in my life. I never want to grow in a stagnated walk. I constantly want to be in a renewed relationship. Now, to love God and to love people is an enormous task. To reach the entire world with the gospel is an enormous task. But he told them in Acts 1 and 8, he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise and it'll come. And it's the helper. He is the comforter, the helper, and he will, he will empower you and lead you into all truth. So in Acts chapter 2, they go and they're obeying the Lord and they're waiting in that upper room. And the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came, a, uh, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heaven. I want you to think about this. The right time, right place, everything had to be right. The Holy Spirit shows up on the scene. He moves on these disciples in this upper room, and they begin to speak not in an unknown tongue. They begin to speak in languages they did not know. Now, if Jesus can send his, uh, if God can send his son and make him flesh and wrap him up and put him in a virgin girl and she can have a baby and he be the Christ incarnate, dwell on this earth, die on a cross, be resurrected on the third day, he can call somebody to know a language, come on, that they didn't know. And that's what happened in this particular site. So the Bible says, verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under the earth. So there were representatives from all the world that were here in Jerusalem at this time. And as the sound, the, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because, they, they, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these men speak, uh, speaking who are, 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 are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Well, what did they hear? They heard the proclamation of the gospel. They heard the proclamation of the Lord. Now, I want to point out something to you that came to my attention in studying this, that I have studied these passages and preached these passages so many times uh, in my ministry and in my life. I've heard them, and I've never really come across this till, till, till I began to get ready for today. And the Bible says, And now dwelling in Jerusalem were devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, a multitude came together. What sound was it talking about? Well, you got to go a few verses before that where it says the sound as a mighty rushing wind. In other words, there was such a loud sound of wind that it drew a crowd. And when the crowd showed up, they witnessed these men speaking in, other, in their own language, their native language, the gospel. 
What are you saying? Boy, do we need a sound from heaven to fill the church houses today. Do we need a sound from heaven to fill our homes today? Do we need a sound from heaven to fill our marriages today? Do we need a sound from heaven that will bring about a move of God's Spirit like never before? Some of us have been walking around for too long without hearing the Lord in our lives. I'm telling you, He's ready to send a mighty rushing wind into your home. Amen. Mighty rushing wind into your home. They gathered at the sound, but they heard the proclamation of the truth. And after the day of Pentecost, in other words, they said, how are, how are we hearing this? Are these, verse 7, are these all that are speaking not Galileans? Are, are, they, are, they, are they not from Galilee? In other words, I'm going to break it down. Here's the redneck translation. You ready? Are these guys not rednecks and hillbillies? They're not trained. They're not, they, they, they should not know the languages that they know, but they know them. All of this amazed the crowd, and the crowd began to define what was going on. They said, well, we'll tell you what's going on. These guys are drunk. These guys are, you know, they, they have gotten wasted. They had a party, and, and that's what's going on with them. And Peter stops in the middle of it, and he says, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Hear my words. This same Jesus whom you crucified has been raised from the dead and is both Lord and Christ. These guys aren't drunk as you think they are because it's only the morning hour. But these men have received what the prophet Joel spoke about for his spirit. The spirit of God would be poured out upon all flesh. He said that's what you're witnessing. That's what's happening in your, in your very own sight today. God is pouring out his spirit on flesh. I want you to understand God still longs to pour out his spirit upon flesh and blood today. And if you are open to receive the spirit of the Lord this morning, he'll pour out on you a blessing you can't contain. He'll pour into your life. He'll keep pouring into your life. It'll spill over and spill out of you and it will work its way out of the church house into the streets. And I'm here to tell you we need a move of God that is not contained to church walls but moves beyond into the streets amen amen after the day of Pentecost and the formation of the early church God tells us exactly what the, the function and the purpose of the church was to be in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47 let's read along verse 42 says and they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Do you think this was just for that day? Amen. No, it's not. Amen, Brittany. No, it's not. Signs and wonders and the moving of God is still happening today. Amen. Amen. Signs and wonders and the moving of God is still happening today. What a sad existence it would be for us to declare all of that is history. That God is doing none of that today. Well, I'm going to tell you, if Acts chapter 2 is not true, then neither is John 3.16. Mm. And we have looked at Acts chapter 2 as a history lesson for too long when it should be a roadmap to what we should be doing as the body of Christ. The church has a purpose and the church has a mission. And that mission is to devote ourselves to a few things. Let's go on. Verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple 
together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with gladness and glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. From for, for in, in other words, what are what are we talking about today? The church was loving God with all they had, and they were loving people, and people were being drawn to the culture and the community of the church because they found something there that they couldn't find in the world. I want you to know when the world looks at us and they see nothing different, they won't be drawn to where we are or what we're about. But when the world sees differences in us, they see a change in us, they're going to want what we have. I want you to know people need what you found. Some of you, you go to bed at night and you're at peace, even though there's a lot of turmoil all around you because you know that God is in control. Do you not realize there are people that would give anything to have that peace, but they don't know about it because the church ain't talking about it. There's a lot of people would love to have that rest and that peace in their life, but they don't know about it because the church has contained it in its four walls. We cannot be guilty of hiding our purpose and our mission any longer. Now, from these verses come five functions of the church or the individual. Who did I tell you the church was last week? If you wasn't here, catch you up real quick. It's not an address. It's, a, it's people. Church is not an address. Oh, yes, it is. It's 456 4th Street is where the church is, is. No, that's the building's address. This building is not the church. It is those who are bought by the blood of Jesus. That is the church. This is just where we gather. Amen. The, if, if you see church as an address or a name, you're, you, you, you need to read your word. You need God to help you. There's five functions of the church. Look at yourself, say, uh, that, that's me, I'm the church. You've been called in Acts 2.47 to worship. You've been called to ministry in Acts 2.45, evangelism in Acts 2.41, fellowship in Acts 2.46, discipleship in Acts 2.42. These five, these five truths, these five areas constitute the mission and the purpose of what we are supposed to be about what the biblical function of our community, known as the church, should do. In other words, acts, uh, the Acts 2 process. Once the biblical function of the church is identified, the church needs to implement uh, this process to be healthy. There's a lot of unhealthy churches today because they are not about worship. They're not about uh, what the Lord has called us to be. So let's talk about those. Let's break them down this morning. Acts chapter 2 process of the church, uh, church life is putting to action the principles found in the dynamic body of Christ we read about in Acts chapter 2. There are five steps to this process. Number one step, let's look at this. This is an intentional journey, so our number one step is worship. Look at somebody and say worship. Found, foundationally, the entire process is about worship. God must be at the center of, of our attention in everything that we do. Worship takes my attention off of the circumstances and places my attention on God. Worship takes my mind off of what's going wrong and focuses on God. Worship realigns our purpose with Him. If you want to get your eyes back on the Lord, the best way to do it is to worship Him. Lift Him up and praise Him. In other words, He must be at the church's highest priority, worship. The church is the culture which will be determined. In other words, our deter our, our, the value of our worship will be placed in how we view God. 
If we have a weak view of God, we won't worship God the way we ought to. If we think God is some, some old age grandpa sitting on the throne, I told him in the early service, I like, I like Christmas movies. Anybody else like Christmas movies, even though they start playing them things way too early? But there's one movie that pops up, or a little, little show that pops up I hate. Now, if you like it, we'll pray about it. But it's Rudolph's Shiny New Year. I like the original Rudolph, but I don't care about no Shiny New Year. And the character Father Time is this old man, got a beard down to here. He's walking around in a robe. And I think a lot of people look at God as this old man sitting on a throne that is senile, don't know what's going on. What did he say? No. Did I hear Phil right? No. God is spirit. Oh, my goodness. And I'm here to tell you, he is the Alpha, the Omega. He existed far before, and he had no beginning. He has no end. My human mind can't wrap around that because everything I see has an expiration date. But I'm here to tell you, my God existed way before time began, and long after time ends, he'll still exist. He is not some forgetful grandpa. He sees us. He acknowledges us and he loves us this morning he is God almighty and he needs to be praised he needs to be worshipped and he needs to be lifted up so when you talk to God you're not talking to somebody that's forgetting about you you're not talking to a God that's forgot everything on the planet there's too many people praying he can't, I got news for you he hears you oh my goodness he hears you this morning. So when we worship him, we are placing our attention on the God that we serve. So how you view God will determine how you worship God. We need to cherish his manifested presence. I'm thankful for the times he moves in the church. And, 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 and look, how many's ever had goosebumps? Okay, I've been talking to some of y'all before and, and a word will come out, oh, I got them chill bumps. He's a God that goes far deeper than chill bumps. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We need to cherish those moments when we really feel like we feel the presence of God. But he's far deeper than what I feel. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, feelings will fail you at times. But faith will declare his presence. What are you saying? There are times when if you just base how you are with God on feeling, how you worship on feeling... Oh, man, praise team got it rocking today. I feel it. Man, this Sunday I wish they'd have sung something different. I don't feel it. Feelings will fail you at times. And it's all right to cherish those feelings. But faith has to be greater than our feelings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Faith means I know God's moving even though my feelings are saying he's not. Faith says God is with me even though my feelings are, I don't feel like he's anywhere near me. Faith says he never leaves me or forsakes me when I feel like I've been left and forsaken. Are you listening to me this morning? Because if we get real and honest this morning, there have been times in our lives where we felt left and forsaken. Amen? But his word declares... And why do I say his word? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. My faith must be greater than my feelings. So I don't worship God because I feel like it. I worship him because I have faith in who I'm worshiping. 
Are you following what I'm saying? So worship realigns your mind. Amen. It realigns your heart with the way it should. We need to seek Him. Jesus said in Matthew 4.10, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Some only view worship as a time assignment assigned to singing. In other words, I'm singing, so I'm worshiping. Worship is much more than that. Worship is viewing God correctly and expressing our love to Him. So in essence, I can worship God through loving my wife. Mm. Let's say that again. I can worship God through loving my wife. I can worship God through loving my kids. I can worship God by working my, and providing for my family. I can worship God in any place, at any time, wherever I'm at, because worship is a lifestyle, not just something I do on Sunday mornings or in my bedroom or in my car when I'm singing. Singing is only one expression of worship, but worship is a lifestyle. I live it out in my friendships. How good a friend I am is an expression of what I think about God. Amen. Amen. Worship. Now look at somebody beside you and say, connect. Number two, the five greatest needs of human personality are significance. All of us want to feel like we matter. Number two, support. We all want to feel like we're, we've got people that's got our back. Number three, stability. Anybody want stability? All right? No, everybody likes uncertainty. No, we want stability. I got news for you. People will win or lose elections based on stability, where they feel like this person offers more stability. Stimulation. We all like to be challenged, whether we like it or not. We all like to be challenged in something. Come on. And then self-expression. We all want to be able to express who we really are. In our connection with the body of Christ, we should be able to feel significant support, stability, stimulation, and self-expression. Getting connected with a forever family, that's what we call our church, a forever family, because it'll far outlast your earthly family, is a way, one of the ways to satisfy all these needs. God has wired us for connection. In other words, it was God who made Adam, and after Adam looked around and named all the animals, and he, fought, he found nobody that was made for him, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone man needs connection so he made woman Amen. and so again your God made you for social connection he made you for community he made you so that you would find something common with somebody amen and it is through those connections that God can be glorified and you can find significance. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for somebody to share your life with, if we got some single ladies in the house and single men in the house, find somebody that's of the household of faith. They may not attend this church, but they love Jesus. They may not be in this house, but they love Jesus. I'm telling you, find you somebody that loves your God and they will love you the way they were created to. Amen. Where are you shopping? That's what I ask people sometimes. People call me up. He broke my heart. She broke my heart. Where are you shopping? <laughs> Do you expect to find a God-filled relationship in this world? No, I'm thankful for the ones he redeems, but I'm saying, where are you shopping? I tell my kids all the time, be careful where you shop. Amen. That was so good. I'll amen myself. Amen, Pastor Phil. Some of you don't have a teenage daughter or a teenage son. Amen. Amen. 
How many, how many parents in this room say you need to shop somewhere different? <laughs> look, 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 look in the household of faith. All right, there we go. Shop somewhere different. Well, they might be right now, but it took a while to get them there. You see what I'm saying? We need something to believe in, somewhere to belong, a way to, 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 to behave and something to become. Regardless of how uh, they are prioritized, these are necessary for us to feel connected with other people. Connection is a major important part of being in the body of Christ. The believers of the, of the book of Acts connected through Christ initially being saved. But their community grew much stronger in the sense that the Bible says they had all things in common and they had such a love for one another. It didn't matter what I had. It was yours and whatever you had. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's a love. Amen? Amen. To share everything. Look at number three. Say, grow. Nobody's helping me preach. You're not ever going to get out of here. Say, grow. Somebody's hungry. All right. The writer of Hebrews exhorted, let's go and, and let's go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Uh, Hebrews 6.1. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, let us go on. We've got to push forward. We can't stagnate. You don't need to stagnate in your walk. If you are stagnant in your walk this morning, God's got some freshness to bring to your heart if you'll let him. Some freshness to your life. In spiritual development growth as a Christian, we must learn to enhance our lives through growing together through the empowerment of the Spirit. In other words, as we grow in our walk with God, it is that challenge we find through our brothers and sisters in the Lord that helps us along in our journey. We need somebody to challenge us. We need somebody to be accountable to. And accountability is not the big bad enemy of our hearts. It can be the deliverance that we need. Yes, it can. If I know somebody cares for me, somebody helps, is helping me. Admitting we need Jesus, then accepting Him as Savior is only the beginning. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Salvation is imperative. You, can't, you can be a member of every church in this county, in this state, in this nation, and still go to hell because you don't know Jesus. Amen. So you must be saved. The Bible says that's the only way you're going to go to heaven. So being a part of a church doesn't get you to heaven. Being saved gets you to heaven. But being a part of a church or being a part of a church family helps establish and root you and ground you in your faith so that you can experience salvation and the relationship that it brings in its fullest. However, don't erase that need for discipleship. There are many people that think discipleship is just something you do at the, at the beginning, or actually they, they don't even look at discipleship. I shared with you last week, the church is good at telling people they need Jesus. They're very poor at showing them how to follow Jesus. Yes, we are. Amen. Discipleship must be a priority of the church. Intentionally or not, we have promoted the idea of being a Christ follower as, in other words, get saved, that's all you need. In the get saved culture, too many too many of, the, of those converted are, have become aborted believers or casual Christians because of the lack of discipleship. What is an aborted believer? Those who start out, they gave, make a commitment to Christ, but yet they don't go to church anymore. They just walk away from the faith, and they're gone. They're aborted themselves. They're gone. Or they become casual Christians, and they fulfill what they've been told to do, go to church. Amen? Anybody ever told that? Go to church, read your Bible, pray. Pay your tithes, you, you, and you're good. 
The problem is we haven't told people how to pray. Jesus' disciples said, teach us how to pray. How many of you, uh, how many of you sometimes feel like your prayers aren't, aren't, aren't getting anywhere because they're not pretty? <laughs> I wish I could pray some pretty prayers. I really do. I think sometimes. So I, I was around somebody this past week, and they prayed a pretty prayer. It was with a group of, of, of ministers, and they asked him to pray, and, and he was like, Almighty God, creator of all things, we praiseth thee. And I'm like, wow. And I'm not meaning that sarcastically. I was like, wow, I don't even speak King James. That's pretty cool. We loveth thee, we praiseth thee. Thou art wonderful, thou art great. And I'm thinking, man, most of my prayers are help! <laughs> <laughs> please <laughs> oh god anybody in the house besides me but the amazing thing i've discovered in my relationship with god is god knows what help means god knows the high, the cry of the heart and he would rather have the cry of the heart not that this brother wasn't heard please don't walk out of here thinking i'm belittling the way he prayed no i'm not if that's the way he communicates with god that's great that's fine but i'm just saying there are times that i feel like we feel like that we cannot talk to god because we don't know the language and the language of god is just the everyday language you speak to a friend because he's a friend that is closer than a brother my god is right here with me in this walk and when I say help he knows what I'm asking help for when I say I need you when I say please Lord God is right there with me I don't have to get my prayers above a ceiling because he said he would never leave me or forsake me he's right here in the room with me and when the devil tells me I'm not getting through God says I'm right here with you never left you I don't know why we think our prayers have to go through the ceiling through the through you know I'll do this for Brad, he's not here. Through the American roof on the roof? <laughs> through the clouds, through the stratosphere? Into the stars, beyond the universe, and wind up somewhere where heaven is? When the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but all you got to say is Jesus, and he's saying, here I am. But you don't know what I've done. I don't care. Because when you call on him, he answers you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he loves you. And there's nothing you can do about that love. He loves you. You're not going to get it off of you. You may refuse it. You may walk away from it. You may even go to hell. But those that have went to hell, he will never quit loving. Because God is love. Not alone today. Oh my goodness. The last principle I want to share with you is serve. Actually, it's not the last. Next to the last. Serve. Developing a servant's heart is what's crippled the church today because there's a lot of people that don't have it. When Jesus was going to be tried and crucified, he meets with his disciples in the upper room. And there he blesses bread and he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. We call it communion or the Lord's Supper. And he breaks the bread and he gives it to the disciples. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat of it. 
Then he takes the juice, he sips the cup, and he says, This is the new covenant, the new testament, and my blood which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Then after he does that, that's rattled them, by the way. Because they had met there for traditional Passover, and now all of a sudden, God just wrecks it by saying, I'm doing a new thing. Then Jesus takes a towel, and he puts a towel around him in a basin of water, and he goes around and he starts to wash their feet. You see, this was an act of a servant. This was something a servant would do. This is something that, that only servants would do or slaves would do. Now Jesus, the Son of God, is washing feet. I want you to think about it. How many of you like feet? If you do, I'm praying for you. Amen. When I grew up, grew up we'd come in and Mama would go, Ooh, you got grocery store feet. Anybody? Bottom of your feet, black. Feet. Let that sink in a little bit there. Jesus is now washing the feet, which was the because they wore sandals and their feet would get dirty and dusty from the road. He's washing their feet. He gets to Peter and Peter says, You won't wash my feet. Why? Because Peter says, I know who you are. Because what happened, the Lord had revealed to him who he was. He said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You ain't washing my feet. And Jesus says to him, If you don't let me wash your feet, then you'll have no part with me. And what does Peter say? <laughs> I love it. He says, Then if that's the case, not just my feet, but my head and my hands also. Because if that's what it takes to be in your presence, I'll do whatever it takes. Listen to me, church. It is time for us to offer our head, our hands, our feet to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But then he turns the tables and he says, now what I've done, you ought to do one to another. You ought to develop a servant's heart. A servant's attitude towards one another. Our attention should be on serving one another, loving one another. What can I do to serve? What can I do to pitch in? What can I do to help? I'm telling you, that is a community that can shake the world because we don't live in that kind of world. We live in a world that takes. We live in a world that is all about self and all about self-preservation. And that is why the church is countercultural to the culture of the society we live in. It is offering something different. Where the world says you're not good enough, the church says bring it on. Where the, church, where the world says you're not welcome in this place, guess what? We say come on in. However you are, whatever shape you're in, whatever your life, you may have been beat up, you may have been in prison, you may have been in jail, you May have been, you may come in and your head may be hurting this morning from a hangover. But you are welcome in the body of Christ. You're welcome because we are here to roll up our sleeves and wash feet. A church that is not willing to wash feet is not a church I will pastor or be a part of. Serving one another is the greatest characteristic to show this world that we are not of the world, even though we're in it. An Acts 2 church is one where people are eager to serve. In 1 Corinthians 12, 5, through 20, or 5 and 27, there, he's, Paul declares there are different kinds of service. 
Now all of you together are a Christ's body, and each one of you are uh, you is separate and necessary part of it. In other words, he's saying everybody has a unique, different way of serving, but we ought to serve. You ain't going to serve the way I serve, but serve. You've got gifts and talents, serve. Last one I want to share with you is go. Look at somebody and say go. That's not dismissal, by the way. Okay. Close, but not quite. You realize 17% strongly agree and 44% somewhat agree that the average person attending church can effectively share Christ with someone else. In other words, we think that the role of sharing Jesus is left to the preachers and the evangelists. <laughs> but the number one, number one form of evangelism is relational evangelism, which means friendships, connections. And do I connect with people for redemptive purposes? Am I connecting with an individual with redemption of that person in mind, or am I connecting with them just because I'm a Georgia fan and they're a Georgia fan? No. I'm connecting with that person just because we have things we like, similar similarities, and we have a similar sense of humor? No. That's good but to connect for those reasons. But my ultimate reason as a child of God should be, am I sharing the hope of Jesus with this person? Where will I get an opportunity to share the love of God? Because 96% of this world is reached through relational evangelism, through friends and family. Let me ask you something. How many in this room were saved in a revival due to an evangelist preaching and you came to an altar and you got saved? Anybody? Me. And two. Two, two. Okay. How many of you were saved because you went to a service and a pastor preached? Okay. Raise your hand if you got it. One, two. Okay, several. How many of you were saved because of a grandma, a grandpa, a friend, or a family member that shared Jesus with you? Come on. Come on, be honest. Lift your hand. The majority have been reached because some friend invited them to church or somebody reached out to them. Amen. 96% of people. You say, but I don't know how to share my faith. Sharing our faith is living out loud our faith. That doesn't mean being loud about my faith. In other words, I've found people that are the, <laughs> I call them the vacuum salesman evangelist. You ever had those kind of people? You need Jesus or you better turn or burn. You're going to hell. Okay, I've never really seen much good response from that kind of evangelism. It really hadn't. Amen. I love it when we have real hot summers. I hate church signs. I'm just going to admit it to you. I hate them because I hate what people put on them sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to try to be really good here. But I saw one that said not long ago during the hot days of the summer said, you think it's hot out here, wait till you go to hell. Really? That makes me want to come to your church. <laughs> Love God. Love people. If love doesn't work, nothing will. You're not going to scare. Look, most people are repulsed by negative things. And nowhere in the Bible does it say the church should be negative. We should be positive about the things that God is doing. And Acts 2 Church understands 
that we are to share the love of Jesus through our actions. Why? Because as a pastor, I preach to you on Sundays and I get opportunities sometimes to preach revivals and go to different places and I'm usually preaching to a congregation. But everywhere you go every day, whether it's at your school, whether it's at your job, wherever you're at, you're preaching. Your life is reflecting what you believe. Come on. And God help us if we spend all our time trying to tell everybody how the election was stolen and we don't lift up that Jesus is still in control. Come on. Folks, Christians need to get a hold of what is real. And what is real is this. This world is going to be the world because it is occupied by the enemy at this time. But we are looking for a better place and a better country. Amen. That's what the Bible says. We're looking for heaven. Amen. We're looking for something. One day King Jesus will return. <laughs> Let me just say, we'll share with this and end on this. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to return as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he has given more time for everyone to repent. I have an opinion of this. The Bible says that Jesus told his disciples that no one knows the time of his return, only the Father. That's what he said. Jesus is the grace and mercy of God of the Godhead. And I think if it was left up to Jesus, he would keep on waiting and waiting and waiting because one more might repent and one more might repent. But the Bible says the righteousness, which is God the Father, will one day look at the Son and say, go get him. We are living in a time of opportunity to get right but just as that opportunity is here one day it will be the return of the lord he's coming he's coming and somebody said yep one day he's going to come i want everybody to breathe in breathe out you are one of those away from eternity one of those away from facing jesus we must have a go mentality. And I'm going to close with this. If you had a loved one or your child and they needed a heart transplant and you had that heart, come on church, you had that heart and you wanted to bring it to them, how many of you would stop for every stop sign? Stop for every stoplight? How many of you knew that if you didn't get there with that heart for that transplant to take place, your child or your loved one or your friend was going to die? You would not wait. You would not let anything stand in your way. Why? Because you would look and say, okay, you can arrest me after I get there, but I'm going to break everything all I can. I'm going to get this salvation to my loved one, to my child. That is the same urgency the church has been charged to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. This world needs a heart transplant. You hear me this morning? This world needs a change of heart. And the gospel that we have at our disposal is us carrying that message of hope to them. So when Jesus said go to the world, he's saying go with the urgency that it is a dying person. It's, they're dying, and if you don't carry the answer, they're going to die. 
We have the words of hope if we'll share them. Will you stand? I'm trying to get us to see how urgent this message is. I'm trying to get us to realize that Acts chapter 2 is not just about the giving of the Holy Spirit. It's about the empowerment of the church to carry out the mission of the church, which is to reach people. The only way true revival is going to come is through true conviction true change, a true move of God. And God is ready to pour out His Spirit if we're ready to receive it. Amen. I just want us, if we would, just to bow our heads this morning, just for a moment. Do you know your mission? Do you know your purpose? Maybe you thought you had it all figured out. But God is challenging you to take it to another level this morning. Do you have a servant's heart? Are you following after Him? Sharing the truth of His love? This morning God is ready to carry you from one level to another. That we would become a church that is evangelistic-minded like we've never been before. I believe we have been, but I believe God is ready to carry it to another level. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to challenge you with this. If you're ready to be a part of moving forward in your life for God, I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. No looking around, just you and God this morning. I'm ready to go forward. I'm ready to move forward with the gospel that God has for me. If that's you, just slip your hand up. God knows what you need today. Today, if you're struggling with some things, you're struggling with your identity, you're struggling, what am I really supposed to be doing? God is ready to use you, but you've got to make yourself open and willing. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. You're struggling with your identity today. Come on. Thank you. There are some others in this room. Most of all, if you're not right with God, and I save this for last because it's the most important thing, you know you're not ready to meet the Lord. You know you're one breath away, but you are not certain that you would go to heaven this morning, and you really want to go. You really want to know that you would go to heaven this morning. I want you to raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Just slip it up. Thank you. There are some others. You really want to know. You need that assurance today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to invite you. I love you. I want to invite you. I know God. I feel the Spirit of God in this room right now. And He is dealing with some folks. He's dealing with your heart. 
And I know you've been walking through some stuff, but God loves you. And you say, it feels like you're just talking to me. I found that when that feeling comes over us, that's because it's the Holy Spirit talking, not the preacher. And I want you to know God is ready to give you that assurance and that love. And if you're ready for it, I want to pray with you today. Well, I don't want to walk all the way up there. I'd be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed because I tell you, you'll be so glad you did. You'll be so glad you did, and there's nobody here in this room going to pass judgment on that. We're going to love you. But if you need assurance that you would go to heaven this morning, I, I saw hands go up. I want you to follow through this morning. Please come. You say, I don't want to come by myself. Take somebody by the hand and say, come pray with me. Come on, don't walk alone. Just take them by the hand and say, come pray with me. Several hands went up. Please don't leave this room with that feeling that I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Will you come? Will you come? Come on, make that step. You'll be glad you did. I won't keep on, but I am going to persist for just a moment because I feel the Spirit pressing me that somebody's ready to make a decision, but you just, you just need a little more time. Come on. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. Please don't walk out of here uncertain. Please don't walk out of here guessing. See, the devil will have you reason it out. Well, you're not that bad a person, you're not this, you're not that. And that's all true, but if you need Jesus, you need Jesus. It's not always awful sins that hold us away from God. Sometimes it's my attitude. Sometimes it's other things. So nobody's ready to throw a bunch of stones at you this morning, but I'm telling you, I feel like somebody needs to make that move. I'll give you just a little more time. Don't regret it. Don't walk out of here feeling bad. God's ready for you to walk out of here knowing that your destination is heaven. Come on. Take that step. I promise you, you won't regret it. One more moment. One more moment. I'll tell you what I want us to do. This altar remains open for those who want to come. But I want us to take somebody by the hand near us. Will you do that? I just want you to squeeze it a little bit and let them know I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I want us to pray for one another as we get ready to leave this building. Can we do that? Let's pray all over this building. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your love, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that, God, we can look to you. And Lord, we pray, God, that, Lord, you would have your way. Lord, that, God, you would move, Lord, like never before. God, that, Lord, your spirit would speak, God, into the hearts and the lives of people, Lord, like never before. God, I pray, dear Jesus, for those, Lord, that, Lord, are uncertain today, that, God, they would feel the certainty of the Lord. They would feel, Lord God, as they, Lord, call on you, that forgiveness and that grace, God, and that mercy. Lord, we love you, God, and we praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, that we look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith, Lord. We look to you, God. I pray, God, help us to become, Lord, what you want us to be. Lord, I pray, God, that you would strengthen us, God, to be the body of Christ with a servant's heart, sharing your love like never before. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. 
If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.